Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge. I'm the president of Gateway Seminary. Once again, uh, talking with you about practical issues related to ministry leadership, uh, talking about some specific ways that we can improve ourselves as ministry leaders of churches, uh, Christian organizations, mission boards, or uh, other ways of working in God's kingdom. So today, we're continuing our podcast from last week on time management. Now, last week, I talked about a theology of time and the importance of coming to understand something of what the Bible teaches about time and basing our decisions about how we use our time uh, on that uh, theology. Now, I challenged you to think through what I said, but also to take a look at the Bible and passages in which the word time is used or the concept of time is discussed and to draw some of your own conclusions about writing your own theology of time. Now today I want to shift gears and talk about a second problem related to time mismanagement, and that's what I call the root causes of time mismanagement. Now last week on the podcast I said I was going to do the do time management for two weeks, but I decided to go ahead and do three weeks on this issue. I don't want to rush through uh, today's material. I want to talk about these root causes in some detail, and then uh, next week on the podcast, I'm going to talk about what you've all been waiting for, and that is how to get more done, <laughs> just the practical ways of, of uh, using our time most eff- effectively and in some ways most efficiently. But as I said last week, the make, uh, being a good steward of your time is not about getting the most done. It's about making the best use of the time you have. And so while it's important that we get to that third uh, podcast on how to get more done or how to be more effective or efficient, uh, it's more important actually to establish a good theology of time and to understand the causes of time mismanagement and to get down to some of the roots of what's keeping us from being able to do this more effectively. So I want to talk today about five uh, root causes of time mismanagement. The first one is personal insecurity. Personal insecurity. Now, what are some symptoms related to time misuse of personal insecurity? Well, the first one is uh, the, ability, the inability to say no without feeling guilty. Uh, we want people to like us so that we can feel better about ourselves. And that insecurity drives us to take on responsibilities that we should have never said yes to. We can't say no without feeling guilty. We can't say no without feeling like we're disappointing others. And because of that, we take on tasks that were never ours to begin with, and we do too much or we commit to too many things, and therefore time gets away from us. Another symptom is the inability to take risks and possibly fail. I once consulted with a uh, minister of a church who was Uh, not uh, getting very much done and was, quite frankly, overwhelmed with the time demands uh, of his workload. He came to me for help, and when I started working through some of his issues, I discovered that he was spending hours agonizing over decisions that most leaders really would only give a few minutes of consideration. And when I challenged him about this, he said, but I have to think these things through thoroughly. I I don't want to take undue risk. I I don't want to fail because if I fail, I'm afraid that I'll, I'll uh, lose my job or I'll lose the respect of people or we'll lose the momentum we have as a church, which really, frankly, wasn't that much at that point. But nevertheless, he was concerned about it. He had what some people call analysis paralysis. He was spending hours and hours analyzing problems so he could prevent failure and prevent risk. Well, really, that grew out of his own insecurity as a leader. Uh, not out of any misuse of time or failure to understand how to manage time. He just couldn't do things differently 
because he was so insecure. Another symptom is the inability to trust others to make decisions, a fear of delegation and a fear of what others will do uh, in terms of not following through or not doing a good job or not doing it as well as the leader might do it. And because of that, we find ourselves holding on to far too much uh, that we think we have to do ourselves. I know, for example, here at the seminary, I have a number of people that uh, report to me, and I give them responsibilities uh, every week of things that need to be done. Now, you know, I've, I've selected good people, and I've trained them over the years, and we've learned by trial and error really how to work together. So I understand that part of this is uh, able to be done because uh, of, the, of, the, of the team we've built. But nevertheless, um, I knew we had to build that team because I knew I had to have other people that made decisions and carried the load. Uh, with me. So uh, I would never be able to do that if I were insecure as a leader. I have to come to a place of security where I can recruit others, trust others, give them responsibility, and allow them to make decisions that ultimately I will be held responsible for. But nevertheless, I let them make those decisions knowing the organization is healthier when I delegate well. So personal insecurity is a root cause of time mismanagement. Insecurity makes us uh, unable to say no without feeling guilty, limits our capacity to take risks and possibly fail, and it keeps us from trusting others to make decisions. And so when we are not able to do these things, we find ourselves overwhelmed, our schedules are too packed, we have too many things to do, and we aren't able to manage our time effectively or use our time well. So what's the solution? Well, you need to study Uh, You need to study the doctrine of the security of the believer and develop personal security in Jesus Christ. Sometimes people mistakenly say of the doctrine of security of the believer that it means once saved, always saved, and it focuses only on eternal realities. But I was so helped many years ago when a man said to me, the doctrine of eternal security is a doctrine for right now. What it means is you are as secure in Jesus Christ today as you will ever be going forward into the future. And so once you come to understand that you are absolutely and completely secure in Jesus Christ, then you can meditate on your position in him until it changes your thinking about your source of security. There, you come to understand that your source of security is not the approval of others or the accomplishment of tasks, but it is instead the acceptance uh, by God uh, that he's granted to you through Jesus Christ. Man, when you come to understand that you're personally secure in your relationship to God through Jesus, it eliminates so many issues and gives you the capacity as a leader to say no because you're no longer dependent on the approval of others, to take risks because you now, you now know if you fail uh, that you can recover from that failure by apologizing, by making, right, making things right and moving on, and by giving you the capacity to recruit a team and trust others to take, out, take on delegated responsibility, knowing that you may have to answer for things they do, but in doing so, you'll know that you've done that in a context of trust and believing that God will somehow work through the process for his good. So personal insecurity is the first root cause of time mismanagement. If you are bound up in insecurities, you will make decisions that will cause you to manage time poorly and will keep you from being the effective leader you need to be. So work on security in Jesus Christ. A second root cause of time mismanagement is poor self-discipline. Now, what are some root causes, um, or excuse me, what are some symptoms related to this root cause? Well, first of all, uh, one symptom is what I call emotion, emotionally driven work patterns. 
meaning that you depend on adrenaline to rush in and through you to get your work done. This is why so many students can't write a paper until the night before, and so many pastors can't write their sermon until the night before. Uh, They are depending on adrenaline and a sense of panic to motivate them. And this leads me to the second symptom, and that is over-spiritualizing our tasks and mistaking adrenal rush with the power or the working of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is well able to lead you to develop a sermon uh, days before it's supposed to be preached and to write a paper even weeks before it may be due. Um, Poor self-discipline leads us to emotionally driven work patterns, over-spiritualizing our tasks, and then this one as well, putting off distasteful tasks um, or avoiding them altogether. That doesn't mean that they still don't have to be done or that you won't pay some consequences for their not being done, but you keep putting them off because you just don't have the discipline to make yourself get down to work and get the job done. So how do you avoid or overcome some of these problems? Well, I think the first way to do that is to write a schedule and submit yourself to that schedule. What I would challenge you to do is something that we require of students here at the seminary, and we especially require of our Doctor of Ministry students, and that is I would challenge you to keep a time log of how you spend your time for a full week. Now, I'm serious about this, uh, and it takes a little bit of effort to get it done, but the long-term benefit is very significant. Uh, Divide up your schedule into 15-minute increments and keep a record of what you do every 15 minutes for a week. And you may say, well, that's going to be really challenging. Not so much, because you'll do some things for two or three hours, like study your sermon. Or you'll do some things for seven or eight hours, like sleep through the night. So you can just block off whole areas of your, of your day and say, this is what I did during that time. But try to keep your schedule, or excuse me, try to keep your time log in 15-minute increments. Do that for a whole week. And then analyze it and ask yourself some hard questions. How much time did I spend reading the Bible? How much time did I spend praying? How much time did I spend with my wife? How much time with my husband? How much time with my children? How much time working on my sermon or working on my Bible study? How much time in planning? How much time in counseling? Uh, You can look at what you really did with your week, and you'll be surprised when you discover that how you're really spending your time may not be how you intend to spend your time. Now, a person with poor self-discipline will say, well, um, I really can't control how I spend my time. It just sort of happens, and I just need to roll with it. And, but a person with good self-discipline will say, okay, I understand how I'm spending my time and how I'm using my time, and now I need to write a plan of how I intend to use my time going forward. Now, some people resist writing out a schedule or making out a schedule because they say, well, if I do that, um, I'm eliminating spontaneity from my life, and I'm eliminating the work of the Holy Spirit from my life, and I just want to be open to whatever may need to happen as we go forward, and and I want to be flexible. I get all that. But remember, writing out a schedule is not obligating you to follow it slavishly. Just like writing out a budget is not obligating you to spend money down to the penny of what you said you're going to do. No, writing out a budget is saying, here's how I intend to spend my money. And as I go forward, I'm going to try to meet this intention as much as possible, believing that the closer I come to this plan that I've made for my finances, the better I'll be using my money and the more intentional I'll be about my money accomplishing what I really want it to do. Do the same thing with your time. Write out a weekly schedule, or I would say write out a weekly budget of your time use, and then try to follow it as closely as possible. Now, you're never going to follow it 100%. That's okay. 
Suppose you only follow it 85, 90%. Well, that means that 85 to 90% of the time, you used your time intentionally and purposely to do what you really believed was important. And if something interrupts you or something spontaneous comes along that needs to be attended to, that may simply be that you had an opportunity to make a good judgment in the moment and to raise something to a higher priority in the moment that was really purposeful or intentional, but you made that choice. So one way to overcome poor self-discipline, these emotionally driven work patterns that over-spiritualize tasks and keep us from doing distasteful tasks, one way to do that is to make a written schedule, to lay out a time budget, if you will, of how you plan to use the next seven days and to follow that as closely as possible. Deviating, deviating from it, yes, but only intentionally when you choose to do so, when you find something that needs to be done that accomplishes your purpose or your intention better than what you'd originally planned. Now, another way you can develop better self-discipline is to master a difficult area. Now, most of us have several areas of our lives where we struggle to have discipline. We struggle with what we watch on TV. We struggle with what we eat. We struggle with how much we exercise. We struggle with how much time we spend praying or reading the Bible. We have a discipline area, and many of us may have even more than one, but we have at least one or two discipline areas where we really struggle. So here's what I encourage you to do. Stop trying to fix everything and just try to fix one thing. Just try to fix one thing. A number of years ago, I did this in the area of eating. I realized that I needed to get control of my appetites and be much more intentional about what I chose to eat and when I chose to eat it. And so I did a series of fasts over a period of a year uh, that were designed primarily to break my uh, break the control my appetite had over me and to give me a willful choice uh, over my appetites and over my eating. Now, what I noticed was that as I accomplished this project over a year's time, that it did give me a greater control over what I ate and how I ate and when I ate, but it also improved my moral choices. It improved my, uh, my disciplines in Bible reading and prayer. When I mastered one difficult area, the spillover effect, I like to call it, the spillover effect uh, helped me to grow and be more disciplined in a number of other areas. Now, they didn't all grow up equally. I'm not saying that. But when I really focused on the one area, which was controlling what I ate and really developing discipline in that area and spending a full year with a series of fasts and other experiences to really bring me to the place where I, I felt like I'd conquered my appetite, if you will, and I was in control now of what I ate, not just the appetites that drove me along. That spillover effect helped me be more disciplined in other areas. Now, the good news is that's lasted now for a number of years. I uh, have a greater control over appetite and what I eat than I've ever had, and I'm making better choices, and it all goes back to that experience I had of trying to master that one difficult area. All right, so personal insecurity and poor self-discipline. Here's another root cause of time mismanagement, and that's poor self-esteem. Now, what are some symptoms that affect time mismanagement? Well, for, how about working long hours to try to gain approval? Or working long hours to justify our ministry role since we produce no product? You know, ministers uh, don't really produce a product. We don't, at the end of the day, say we made this many widgets, or we uh, accomplished this many sales calls, or we uh, filled this many orders, or, or, we, or we made this much money. We, we just don't have those kind of measurables. Uh, we are making disciples, and that is a much less quantifiable process than many people have in their work. So to compensate, many ministers and ministry leaders 
uh, work long hours to try to gain approval. In other words, since we don't have a product, we try to prove our value or our worth by the amount of time that we put into ministry. Now, uh, this goes to such an extreme for some people. I once had a pastor tell me that on Saturdays, he would actually drive his car a few blocks to his church building, park it in front of the building, and then walk back home and watch college football. He did that because he wanted people to think he was working even when he wasn't. And he realized after doing this a few times that he really was struggling with a deep, deep need for approval and that he was basing his self-esteem, how he felt about himself, on what people said back to him about his job rating or his job approval. And if they said, man, we really appreciate how hard you're working and how many hours you work and how devoted you are to the church and to the ministry, then he felt validated and his esteem soared. But when people failed to recognize these things, he found that his self-esteem suffered and he felt, he felt that he really wasn't measuring up. Well, if that's your pattern, uh, you're not going to be able to manage time very well because your need to get this self-esteem issue resolved is going to be so much greater than your capacity to choose disciplined time use patterns that you're always going to default to whatever you have to do to feel better about yourself or to gain the approval of others. So you have to solve these esteem issues. How do you do that? Well, uh, the the solution is adopting... uh, Jesus' esteem for you as your basis for self-esteem and to recognize that you have to stop all this superficial behavior trying to prove yourself and recognize that you are accepted fully by God through Jesus Christ and that in Him you've, made, you've been made righteous and that in Him you've been adopted into His family and that in Him uh, you have become His child, uh, that in Him you have every fullness and every blessing and every measure of goodness that will ever come to you and that you are completely and totally validated by your relationship to God through Jesus Christ. And so your self-esteem is secured and settled in Him and in that relationship. Once you've meditated on that to the place that it starts changing your thinking, you'll discover that you no longer have to work long hours to gain approval, and you no longer have to do things to try to get people to notice you or like you, because now you have esteem that comes from your relationship with God through Christ, and that frees you to make much better choices about how you use your time because you're now no longer lusting for or desiring or doing whatever it takes to gain approval, but now you're doing what's intentional and purposeful to accomplish the ministry God has given you. Well, number four. A fourth um, root cause of time mismanagement is believing myths about the ministry. Believing myths about the ministry. Uh, Let me give you some uh, examples of what I mean. The first myth is, I must always be available. I am indispensable. I have to always be there. You know, that's simply not true. Uh, you are not indispensable. Um, if, you are, if you move to another ministry tomorrow or you suddenly were to fall over dead and go immediately to heaven, uh, your ministry would likely continue without you. Um, I always remind pastors that they're all interims. <laughs> they're all interims. They got the job from a person before them, or if not, they planted the church, but Next, they're going to leave, and someday somebody's going to come after them. And they, the pastors sometimes say, but I'm going to be here for 30 years. I'm going to serve out my whole life. And I say, great. And then when you leave, somebody else will come after you. So we're important, but we're not indispensable. And we have to be available, but not always available. Have you ever noticed that the most important people in the lives, uh, in the lives of, of most of us are people that are not as accessible to us or not very available to us? For example, if you want to see a physician or an attorney, you have to get an appointment. And sometimes you have to get that appointment days or even weeks in advance. And you have to keep that appointment or you won't get to see them until you can make another appointment. 
And yet no one devalues doctors and attorneys because they aren't available. In fact, actually, our esteem goes up for them because they're not very available. Ministry leaders need to be available. I get that. We need to be accessible to people, be relational, be connected. But it's also possible for us to understand that we need to have some time that we reserve that maybe is not always available. Time for study, time for planning, time for working with uh, leaders and training them so that we're not always available. If you believe the myth, you have to always be available and you have to go every time the phone rings and you have to answer every email immediately, you will not use your time well. Another myth is I must please everyone or meet everyone's expectations. Now, I've already covered this in the areas of, of, uh, of low self-esteem and uh, personal insecurity. But if you're a person who thinks you have to please everyone in ministry, you, you'll never manage your time well because you'll be spending all your time chasing after the approval of others and meeting their expectations instead of using your time uh, as, as, you most, as you should to accomplish your mission. And then here's one that's really sad, but, but sadly uh, true to many leaders, and that is... I must harm myself or my family to prove my devotion. This is simply not true. Uh, you do not have to harm yourself or uh, to prove your devotion to God. Um, I, I've talked with people who pastors who said to me, "Well, you know, I um, a mark of my devotion is that I, I I had a mental breakdown or I had a burnout or I had a I had a physical uh, you know." Um, uh, illness that resulted because of my ministry, and that proved my devotion. No, it didn't. It did not prove your devotion. It proved how unwise you are in your use of your time and your energy and your ministry. Um, yes, there are always times of great intensity and seasons of intensity in ministry, and we have to be prepared for those. But that is not a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year reality. There are moments or days of intensity, but we need to recognize that ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. And we have to stay with it over a long period of time, and we, haven't, we have to resist this myth that says we have to somehow harm ourselves in order to prove our devotion. Well, there are probably other myths, but let's just stop with these three. I must always be available. I must please everyone. I must harm myself. These are myths about the ministry, and if you believe these myths, you will not be able to manage time effectively because the myth becomes a reality that consumes you and controls you and keeps you from doing what you know you should be doing or what you intend to do or what you purpose to do. And instead, you find yourself defaulting to behaviors that are destructive or counterproductive. So stop believing myths about the ministry and base your life on truth instead. And then finally, and this leads us into what we're going to talk about next week, and that is what I call a fifth root cause or poor management skills. Um, like, for example, lack of planning. Because you don't plan well, you waste much time on inefficiency. And because you don't plan well, you have a lot of panicked activity at the last minute on projects. Uh, because you fail to plan well, you don't use your time well, and therefore you don't then at the end of a project or when a project is due, uh, take care of yourself physically or you have to violate your Sabbath or some kind of other thing which causes you to manage time poorly. Uh, another lack of um, uh, poor ministry skill is lack of intentionality. It's just a uh, lack of uh, the capacity to choose what needs to be done in the moment. This is such a great skill for, most, for the most effective leaders, the skill of intentionality. The skill of being able to look at a list of 10 things and say, what is the one thing on this list that is the most important, that if I intentionally give my time to this, it will make the greatest long-term impact in what we do. 
Now, the reason this is challenging is because what is often most needed is not what is crying out the loudest for your attention. Um, oftentimes, other issues are crowding the agenda and saying, pick me, pick me, I'm the most important, when really the thing on your list that is the most strategic is the quietest or the thing that may seem to be the least appealing or will have the, most, the least um, immediate impact, and yet that is the item that you have to choose that if you do that intentionally will make the greatest difference. And then another poor management skill is a lack of a decision-making strategy. Um, I think I've already taught about this on a different podcast, but you know you have to have a decision-making strategy, a plan for how you make a decision. And when you get stuck, you have to be able to default back to what I call my decision tree, where I can walk through um, some simple steps that lead me to a decision, whether it's a decision about my personal life or it's a decision about my uh, ministry life. Uh, I have this decision-making matrix or this decision tree that helps me walk through a series of steps that get me to a conclusion. And so uh, without that, I'd find myself just wasting hours just sitting and wondering and wishing and trying to determine and discover or think through. And without a plan that gets me from point A to point Z, I simply won't be able to make good decisions. So these are some management skills that relate to poor time management. Uh, Lack of planning, lack of intentionality, lack of decision-making strategy. Uh, So what can you do about this? Well, you can learn better management skills. And how can you do that? Well, a couple of ways. Uh, First of all, uh, if this is a real struggle point for you, read a book a month on management. Not leadership, but management. Read a book a month on managing time, managing people, managing decisions. Read a book a month on execution, on how to get things done, on the doing part of ministry leadership. And don't just read ministry books, but read secular books as well, because they can help you understand how to get things done and how to be more intentional about your management style and management skills. Another thing you can do is um, attend leadership, or excuse me, uh, management training, where you uh, work on some specific skill sets through conferences or through seminars that you might attend. And another thing you can do is, is ask for some people that you know that are competent managers to mentor you or to help you or to coach you. Um, And these don't have to be ministry leaders. These can be people in your church that you know or people in your community that you know. I mean, it takes skill to run a bank. It takes skill to, to, uh, to manage a fleet of trucks that deliver product all week long. It takes skill to run a produce department at a grocery store. It takes management skill to do these things where people understand about prioritizing time, being intentional about choices, making sure they're doing what really matters, and you can ask them to help you to think through how you're doing your work. And I don't mean a, a long seminar. I mean buy lunch for a good manager in your church once a month and just grill that person on what they do and how they do it and pick up their insights and apply them to your situation situation. Well, time management is challenging, isn't it? So how have we approached solving the problem of how to manage time more effectively? Well, first, we talked about last week a theology of time, understanding what God says about time and how to base our decision-making about time management on what we believe about time. Now, this week, we've talked about some root causes of time mismanagement. I've given you five. Why is it important to understand and analyze these? Because if you just try to work on the superficial issues of making a better schedule or superficial issues like making better choices, you might make a little progress, but these, misman- these, these underlying symptoms will, will cause you to default continually back to old behaviors that undermine your time management choices. So if you're insecure, if you have poor self-discipline, low self-esteem, if you believe too many myths about the ministry, if you've never worked on developing management skills, 
these things will come back to haunt you. And no matter how hard you try to work uh, to organize your schedule or organize your calendar or make better choices or try to do better next time, no matter how hard you try, you will default back to old behaviors if you don't address some of these root causes. So work back through the list and see if there's not one or more of these root issues, these root causes of time mismanagement that has hold of you and is keeping you from moving forward. Address those root causes with some of the strategies I've mentioned in the podcast. Get help even more if you have a real struggle with one of these issues because until you've resolved some of these root causes, you won't be able to do what we're going to do next week, which is apply some practical time management skills to help us use time more effectively. If you'll work on your theology, resolve these core issues, you'll manage time more effectively, and you'll be able to lead on.